Mano. Welcome, guys, to the MMOs.com podcast. This is episode 73 now, and this is Altai, joined this week by... Omer. Gumble. And that is it. Hurricane Matt is taking Matt out of the equation this week, quite literally. And Shu is dealing with family stuff, and after this week, her schedule should be clear. Had, had a death in the family, it's been keeping her busy and away from the computer. Bit hectic, so yeah, it's yeah. just the three amigos. I mean, too much information? All right. Anyway, what I really want to know this week is what happened to your hair. Okay. So, uh, actually, on my birthday, exactly. So, you're wondering why I have this crazy hair and I cut all my hair off. On my birthday, I decided to sh- you know, cut my hair. I always give myself uh, a buzz every once in a while. If you see my Twitter picture, that's usually what I cut my hair to. And this this time, I happened to forget to attach the accessory to the razor. So, the razor, it, as an accessory, it comes, it comes with an accessory that limits clip. how much. I think they're called it, clips. I call it an accessory, but all right, it comes with a clip, and using the clip, it cuts it to my profile picture on Twitter. However, this week, I forgot to attach the clip, because it's usually always attached, right? And Altai took off the clip, and I didn't realize, and the second I cut my hair a little bit, I'm like, no, it's too much. And of course, there's no going back, so we embrace our inner Maple Story buzz cut look. It's um, okay. very American history. Okay, Gumby, Gumby. As, as a th- yes, good movie by the way. Gumby, as a third-party objective observer, mm-hmm. how much is how much of this issue is Aaron's fault for taking the clip off? Well, anytime uh, there's a law, it's called Gumbel's law. Anytime an issue involves Aaron, it's always 100% his fault. Okay, I'm I'm glad uh, I don't take listen, full responsibility. Listen, who who takes something with a moving blade on it? Okay. And then uses it on themselves without looking at it first. Yo, man, how yeah. did you not know about the play? Listen, listen, listen. You in my defense, you guys, you guys, maybe we can straw poll this. Right. In my defense, I've literally done this for about a year uninterrupted without even thinking about right. it because the clip was the clip has always been on. And that's why I took it off year. to clean that thing for the first time in years. <laughs> okay, so disregard Altai's excuses. How much of this is Altai's fault? Let's be honest. I'm going to say it's 50% mine. 50% Altai. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll do 60-40. I'll take majority responsibility. But I want Altai to take a bit of responsibility. I'm not taking too. anything. You got to be careful. You got to look at things before you shove them into your... <laughs> wherever. Wherever wherever right. you're shoving those things. All right. Well, I still maintain it's uh, it's partially Altai's fault. We so should all know. shave our heads. And then we can look like terrible human beings. All right. <laughs> the podcast title will have to change. I agree with Tier God's assessment. 75% Altai, 25% Omer. There we go. I think oh, the podcast has officially spoken. Ignore what she says. The podcast has spoken. And then we will, of course, start the week off. Unless somebody's got a fun story, we're going to start the week off with the weekly raid. Let's do I have, it. I, have, I don't know what fun stories are, but I do know what the weekly raid is. That's, and, we'll go with it. And this week, we're talking about in-game events because it's Halloween. And Halloween is kind of the one event besides, I guess, the... Christmas Hanukkah season. Actually, I don't think any game does Hanukkah events, but they should. Uh, where every single MMO, every single game kind of has something going on. So it made me think about other in-game events, uh, ones that I particularly enjoyed in the past. And we're not talking about just events organized by developers, but just anything that's happened. Either it's Leroy Jenkins, or it's the time a corporation uh, sabotaged another one, Eve Online, spent a whole year infiltrating the corporation and then killed the CEO and stole about $16,500 worth of in-game 
Uh, Monies, Zenny, which is with the story that got me into Eve. Uh, so some of my personal favorite events that have happened in-game, besides Halloween every single year, which I love, especially that Mercy skin, like everyone else, uh, was the time a Ragnarok online server admin, this was a private server, because private servers always have more fun, uh, he spawned every single boss into Prontera, which was the main city, killing all of the AFK shopkeepers. <laughs> all the players in the server had to band together to try and beat the boss. It was just a cool, fun event, totally spontaneous, and I love stuff like that. So figured I'd ask everybody, you know, what event stands out in their mind uh, as being me memorable. All right, first of all, I want to clarify, I don't think Leroy Jenkins was an event. It's an event. I think it's an event. Okay, but... like... In the literal definition of the word, like, things happened. Yes, there was, like, cause and effect. Things, you know, resulted. But I don't think it falls under purview yeah, of you know, an event. You know what's a crazy, like, I guess this kind of more, this is more of an event than the Leroy thing. This got so much attention, which I don't think it deserved. But you guys remember that whole plague thing in WoW? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I remember, I, like, I, people were covering that so much when it happened. I was like, all right, it's kind of cool. But I guess it left an impact. Um, exactly. It's true, yeah. To stay Fine. On... Leroy Jenkins is an event, but go ahead, give us other, give us an actual right, to, event. To stay in theme here, uh, Halloween. Please. Yes, yeah, so I think I think Dota 2, out of between League and Dota. I think Dota does a much better job with these kind of holiday events. I remember uh, for Halloween they do something called Dire Tide, where like you fight this gi giant monster um, as a team. You have to like, collect candy to get stronger. Uh, it's fun. It's a little fun little co-op event. So actually, the event in Dota 2 that Altai brought up, I remember when Dire Tide first came out in Dota 2, uh, whichever team was able to defeat like this Roshan the fastest and like the quickest time at the end of the game, they were rewarded something called a Golden uh, Roshan Courier, a very rare courier in Dota 2. And people are familiar with CSGO item trading. Dota 2 items work in a similar fashion. Rare cosmetics are worth real-life money. So I think because they gave only so few away, that those are actually some of the most valuable virtual items in any online game ever. Wow. I think they went for over ten thousand dollars to buy one now. <laughs> that's a, that's a nice trick or treat right there. <laughs> and I remember we, we I mean we we participated in the event, but we obviously didn't win because we suck, right? But does League do anything like that for Halloween? Uh, let me think. Does League know they, to they have do always like theme skins, and they do always have like these rotating special game modes. Because I know, for example. Uh, well, actually, it's good that we brought up Dota because League does do the, the. There was a Christmas event they did, and there's a special game mode. It's basically just one v one or two v two mid only in a special map with a Christmas Christmas theme. I forget what it's called. I don't know why. I remember playing a couple times too. But they do do a couple, you know, special game modes, and they do release skins. Unfortunately, you do have to buy the skins, and they release uh, ward skins. But mainly, all stuff you have to buy. There's very few uh, <laughs> freebies. Very few freebies you get with League. Very How few. How fun! How fun! Aren't you supposed to get the trick or treat as the user? Come on. There yeah. you go. You're there That's right true. now. Haunted Zyra. Yeah. Yo, you guys, you can buy ward skins. This is not exciting. You gotta you get to give them more money on uh on Halloween. What a deal. They did do a I think a three v three Halloween thing at one point as well too, and it's kind of limited over there. But I think on the MMORPG front, I do think events are very important because let's be real. I saw the the trailer for the for the Overwatch event for Halloween. And they added a, a bunch of new skins, a bunch of goodies. And I'm going to play Overwatch tonight for the first time in a couple weeks because of this, just to get some of those skins. Because let's be real, how cool did the Mercy, uh, the Mercy Witch skin look? I don't even play Mercy, but I'm like, holy shit, that looks awesome. I want it because it's, you know, it's the feeling of a limited time thing. It drives you to go back to something. And this event is going to make me play Overwatch again, which I haven't played in over a week.
What about yeah, you guys? Yeah, I'll probably play it too. I haven't played it in a while. Well, but fun fact. I actually want to try the PvE game mode. I think it's fun. Everyone gets one free loot box. So if you haven't done this yet, yep. just log in, open your box, see what you get. I got you know garbage. What's cool about the, the loot boxes and actually uh, Overwatch too is even if you're level 80, you're level 300, it always takes the same amount of time to get a level. So it doesn't like get harder as you level up. So I think Blizzard was, was quite generous with how easily it is to get loot boxes. I mean, I've, got, I've unlocked almost, almost everything in the base pack with how much I've played uh, Overwatch. So they've been pretty generous with it. You know what's is nice about events is they... Uh... Those little touches, I actually think just playing normal Overwatch, the maps, now that they've added, you know, spooky cobwebs and and dumb things like that, it just, you know, it gives a little flavor. It's like a little bit of chili lime seasoning on top there. Uh, it renews your interest. I know Final Fantasy does events too, because, I mean, they give away special, like, emotes that you can only get during certain events. And those events kind of keep players engaged with the game. Because being able to, it's almost like a stream of content, but it's almost like exclusive content too, because if you don't get it then, it becomes like, near impossible to get later so it, it keeps you attached to the game and give, keeps you coming back or gives you a chance you know, to come back and play and i think this works across almost every genre whether it's overwatch and fps whether it's like final fantasy 14 and more pg and even uh, i remember when gunbound had events like i'd go on just to do the events in gunbound like they did they had these like advent calendar events where you would get all these uh like extra gold for doing certain things in gunbound and i i always participated because you get some free shit and it's always fun Though some games kind of cheese it out with events, with like it's never worth, it's not even worth doing the event stuff. You know what game over does it? You know what game over does it? Maple Story. I, I mean, every time I log in, right, I kill like a mushroom, like maple leaves drop, these like dreidels drop, like the cake slices drop. I'm like, what are all these events going on? I agree. Maple Story. Always it's definitely an overkill. It's unbelievable over to the point where like I don't even want to deal with that event shit in Maple Story sometimes because. There's so much crap that drops my PCs, and like when you log in, there's a million like alerts on the left side. Holiday events, this event, this event, that event. It just it gets too much to deal with. Yep, yep, yep. I don't think anyone dislikes events though. So, but I think I think it's an excellent touch for games to keep people coming back. And I'm All playing right. some Overwatch tonight. Which event season's better, Halloween or the holidays, Christmas or whatnot? Christmas it has to be Christmas. Really? Be really? It has to be. I think I, I prefer. I like Halloween. I like Halloween better. I do. I like Halloween better. I just like, I, even as a holiday, I just like Halloween better. Number one, I go down Target, and the entire section of Target is just candy. I, I eat all the candy, you know? It's like you a good excuse. You pay, you're paying full markup. You wait like two weeks after Halloween. That stuff is like 80% off. I'm, I'm impatient. I don't have the patience to, to milk the system. And um, just like, I just love, like, it's funny that in a fantasy universe, uh, like, for some reason, I don't know, the added touch of ghouls, goblins, stuff. There's this the horror atmosphere. Just fun. Christmas is just, it's lame. Right. <laughs> I don't have a good explanation for that one. I agree. It is, it is kind of lame, but I think game companies take the holidays and Christmas a little more seriously, so the events are usually better. As a holiday, True. I think I like Halloween better because it's just, it's more fun. You make a good point. But in, in game terms, I think. Also, know, I think Christmas Halloween is more like culture neutral. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's true. You know, like in a lot of Asian games or whatever, you know, what, what does, you know, I guess Christmas and stuff doesn't have the same meaning to them as. With Halloween, it's just, you know, it's just, it's just whatever. It's for fun. Except China. They don't like skeletons and oh, ghosts. Oh, that's true. Yo, do you know and, what's actually pretty funny? Literally, every time I log into MapleStory, I have an achievement, right? It's just forever alone. Because <laughs> it was like my old Valentine event or something, and I never changed my, like, title. So every time I log into uh, MapleStory, it says, you've earned forever alone. <laughs> and uh, Hall and uh, Valentine's Day, too, is uh, 
events all around. Uh, this this year's Valentine's Day, well, not this year's, next year's. I'm looking forward to quite a bit because we have Persona 5 launching. So that's going to be my Valentine. <laughs> waifus. Yes, I will get all the waifus. All the all the Persona waifus. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. Well, I think we should move on to some of the uh, the big topics this week. What do we got? All right. I mean, we did mention WoW, so maybe we should bring this up first. There was actually a, uh, some... There was an interview in a Polish gaming magazine for World of Warcraft, where the, one of the designers of the game they accidentally they accidentally slipped a number, which I feel like they shouldn't have, and I don't know if they intended to. And they basically said that World of Warcraft had 10.1 million subscribers, and almost like a day later, Blizzard came out saying that the magazine must have misquoted them because uh, he was not allowed to mention that number, and it's most likely a misquote. And they stepped away from that. But if you look at the actual context. Uh, if you scroll down the link, Pixel Magazine and, and Shilton, who was, let me, what was his title again? He was the lead designer for World of Warcraft. Uh, they've asked him, you've reached a peak of 12 million subscribers at the end of 2015. It was only 5.5 million users uh, more recently. Then you stop publishing data. How many subscribers do you have right now? And again, the lead designer says, as we speak, it's about 10.1 million. It's hard to say what the future will bring. We have an internal competition in form of Overwatch, but it's possible that we will reach 12 million once again. So do you think this was a slip? Or it was a, a slip. Misquote? It was not a misquote. Come on, it's pretty clear. I agree. It cannot be a misquote. But why did Blizzard come out and say this is obvious? This must have been a misquote. Because, because they said they would never release subscriber numbers again. This was. I'm going to believe in the conspiracy here. Blizzard wanted to 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 show off how well Legion did. They couldn't come out and just give out the numbers because they said they would never uh, publish subscriber numbers again. So they let it slip, and, and then it, it strides into effect. And now we're all talking about how many people are playing WoW and how you're successful right, it is. Right. I believe the conspiracy, too. Because keep in mind, this was not an interview with like GameSpot, with IGN, some big American publication. You know, it was an interview with a Polish game magazine. Very right? odd. They picked an obscure magazine and let it slip, right? And then, and then they're going with a denial saying, oh, it was a misquote, right? And they're saying that because they want to save face on the fact that they said earlier that they would never announce it. But this is like a humble brag for them, too, because they wanted to brag. That's why they let it slip. I think so. How I really do. Has it been 30 days since the launch of Legion? Uh, didn't it yeah. launch August 30th? Yes, it's been over so, 30 okay. I was going to say, because the box came with 30 days, right? Mm. So it probably inflated the numbers a lot because everyone kind of got a subscription for buying it. So now the, the, the I guess the challenge now is how will it do after that? Will people actually... Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, renew and stay, you know, subscribed. I wish Blizzard never stopped reporting numbers. Um, I really do. I think it's it's far more interesting if we could see constant data. Um, so I, I hope they 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 talk to a Kenyan magazine next and let us know how they're doing in January, and we can talk about the Freudian slip then too. Because I, I I do wonder because I know Legion. There are some complaints about Legion about the grind at the end, although it has seen widespread success. I actually have, I stopped playing because there's just too many choices. Um, also, for the record, Legion does not give you 30 days free, so the, the number is even more valid than before. Oh wow! So it does not only the base game comes with that 30 days free or oh. the battle chest. Expansions do not have it included. And again, 10.1 million is an amazing number. I mean, we've heard before they're doing really well. But remember, the peak was 12 million. So if you go from a peak of 12 million to 10.1 million, yeah, it's like an 18% decline, right? But it's still enormous for a game that came out in 2004. 12 years later, the game is still on top with near-peak subscribers, which is remarkable. Right, here's a good question. So we all, we all know people who played WoW. 
Mm-hmm. And if everyone you know who started playing Legion, how many of them are left? I think this is valid. I know one person left out of everyone that started playing Legion that's still playing. They're still going hard. How about you? How far did you get? I hit 110. I got to the end, oh, okay. and then I started doing the end game grind. Right. But I stopped. Uh, I stopped for other games. But um, but I had fun leveling. All right, fair enough. But do you know anyone that's still playing? Still going strong? I know a I few think, people. Yeah, I know a few people too. Tubby and okay. Chicky, two of my friends, I think are still playing. I don't know if they're going hard though, because when they said, I, I know a lot of my friends said, oh, they're going to go hard in Legion when it launches, but I think they're going pretty casual, some of my friends. I will say Legion did a great job that way, because you can play alone, do dungeons and stuff, and still feel like you're making progress the whole time. So props to them on that. I think that's going to help with retention a lot. Is it worth the 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 price for me to play? Just experience story content? Gumby, what do you think? If you if you found like I'm not one that ever felt totally engaged by WoW story, but if you enjoy WoW story, if you enjoy the lore, then I mean Legion is the top dog. Uh that way. I mean, you're gonna see characters you've known from the beginning of WoW and Warcraft pop up and you'll engage in their stories, and they're all pretty good narratives and well written and whatnot. So none of there's the, what Legion did is it cut out all the bullshit. Like the fetch quest, the helping the farmers, everything feels pivotal to the overarching story. So yes, I recommend it. Nice. If you've played the other expansions, especially. Speaking of WoW expansions, guys, uh, some big news hit earlier this morning about potential, potential legacy servers at uh, Blizzard. Let's clarify. Potential. It's potential, potential from the mouths of Nostalrius. Okay. Uh, but, but haven't they been talking? Ahead. At least they claim to be talking to Blizzard. They yes. they talked to Blizzard back in what uh, June or July. Mm-hmm. I'll get the exact date for you. Uh, since Legion's launch, I don't believe they've had constant communication. Uh, the forum post was basically that was made that this announcement comes out of what ha- was in line with their T-shirt drive. They did a T-shirt drive. They donated the money to charity and whatnot. And they said that Blizzard has everything they need to make legacy servers happen. They have all the data. They have all the information. I guess they have the code and all that. And they said that uh, Blizzard, they speculate, will make an announcement at BlizzCon. And they said if Blizzard doesn't make an, make an announcement, they will. What that means, I have no idea. I can't imagine it's anything. But no, uh, they're, they're, exactly, they're basically well, saying, Blizzard, if you don't do it, we're going to make another private server. That's what I'm hearing. If Blizzard doesn't make an announcement to honor their own core values, be sure that we will. That's wow. fun. Wow. That's some strong words coming out of Nostalrius after they caved to Blizzard earlier and they, they shut down without releasing the source code. So I'm loving the tough talk. Because I think I, that I tells me they haven't talked to them. From the get-go, I, w- I was kind of upset with Nostalrius because they said specifically they're going to... Because re- Nostalrius is a collaboration between a, a lot of uh, freelance developers, volunteers, and they said they would open source the code, and they never did. And our speculation in the past was that Blizzard got to them and told them, if you release it, we're going to sue you, and they made them stop. So they kind of went back on their promise of releasing that code. And hearing them say now that if they don't do it, we're going to do it, I, I, it's music to my ears. Because either they're going to release the code themselves or just rehost a new server... I think one way or another, this bodes well for fans of Legacy WoW. I think they'll I, do it. I think they'll do it. And here's my really? convoluted reason. Ready? That line we saw earlier when they kind of tried to get away from the subscription numbers, they said they have internal competition now with uh, mm-hmm. Overwatch. Overwatch recently had 20 million players. So I think they want to boost their player count. Wow. To see that they're still, you know, the main top dog at Blizzard. I, I like your logic because, again, that, that they did say internal competition and 
it may be the boss that you know at Activision Blizzard are kind of telling this each department, you know, whichever gets more users will get bigger bonuses. So maybe they're going to be pushing for more users and more yeah, business. Yeah, they, they want to up the count, you know, the player count. Wow, I totally disagree with both of you. Really, one hundred percent. Yeah, I don't think anything's going to come out of this. When I read this forum post, I thought this tells me that Nostaris hasn't heard from Blizzard once since their one meeting. That this tells this. Especially that one quote, be sure that we will, tells me that they're trying to get their attention. They wanted the media to pick this up and say, look, remember us. My guess is Blizzard will say absolutely nothing regarding legacy servers. And I don't mean to sound cynical. I just, to me, you talk about them wanting to boost their numbers. I don't see uh, legacy servers making a meaningful impact on their overall numbers. If their numbers are 10.1 million, to really make an impact, they need to bolster that by another million. I just don't see... I don't see even Blizzard's predictions saying they're going to have a million players if they make legacy servers. It's more like 30, 40,000, maybe. To me, it's, it sounds like Mysterious is getting desperate. They want to please their fans. I think that they feel fooled by Blizzard in thinking that Blizzard would do something. And now they realize they made a mistake and they want to see something happen. Blizzard, at, here's my prediction. At BlizzCon, Blizzard will make say something. They will say, we've talked about this. We really want to make it happen, but the technical difficulties are too overwhelming and we have other projects in the works that we're excited to show you, blah, blah, blah. And they'll just keep rushing under the rug. People are happy with Legion. There's no reason for them to make Legacy. Uh, I think the, if Legion bombed, they would, they would have looked into it, but it's done way too well for them to give it any, any credit. All right, well, we don't All have right. to wait long. Uh, God, I hope I'm wrong. You convinced me. You convinced me. I think Gummy's right. Because if you focus on the last thing they said, as a consequence, if Blizzard doesn't make an announcement to honor their own core values, be sure that we will. That does seem very clearly like, a, look, you've ignored us forever. We even had this meeting, and you're ignoring us. Pay attention to us. You know That, 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 that does clearly show, if you know, yep, after yep. hearing Gummy, that there was no communication in a while. Well, I want to be wrong, though, right? No, I, would I, love think, to I think like we're spot on, but we'll see. Sorry for anyone that's hopeful, because the forum posts are all like, yeah, it's happening, and I want to be on it, okay. too. To be but... fair, look, it, it's around this time, this, this length of time mm -hmm. that the game's been out, that we start seeing moves towards uh, this kind of server. Uh, EverQuest, whatever it is. It's, what you you know, Runescape has done stuff Runescape, like that. Yeah, it, it's, it, WoW is now getting long in the teeth, and I think this is the time to do it. There was no way to do it before, so we might see it. We might see it. Eventually, sure. I don't think it's so quickly. Yeah, we will see, though. Um... Are, <laughs> there are other WoW servers, by the way, if anyone's interested in vanilla, but uh, the new golden rule if you play in a private WoW server is don't talk about it. So I will honor that and not talk about it. But you can find them on Google. They're not difficult to find. They're not difficult to find. <laughs> They're all indexed pretty well. All right, guys. I want to move to a topic I'm very excited about this week. Oh, you've been, I, you've been I, giggling I, I like was, a schoolgirl over I've been it. giggling like a schoolgirl, all right? Because... Uh, we do, we are doing a segment called the Shitty Kickstarter of the Week. Uh, it's not every week, but it's most weeks where we can find a shitty Kickstarter. This week, we have a game called Surface 2040. And what makes this Kickstarter exceptionally shitty is that it's not just a throwaway Kickstarter, right? This is a Kickstarter that the founder, who made, he, he registered a company called Steel Clover Studios. It's a Kickstarter that the founder seems to be passionate about. And I, I, I'll, I'll go through the reasons why I think it's a shitty Kickstarter. But basically... It, it's all the trademarks of a shitty Kickstarter. One, no actual gameplay, right? And it's just one asshole talking about the game. And it's just these goofy effects in the video where it flickers. Essentially, this guy wants to make a cyberpunk-themed MMORPG with a massive open-world megacity, countless storylines, legendary encounters, and all this good stuff. And uh, you know, if you scroll through the project, he talks about making a, a AAA game. His name is Jeremy W. Wilburn. He's the creator of 2040. 
and throughout this entire pitch, he always uses the word we. Like, we at uh, Steel Clover Studios are working on this game. It'll be a AAA game. You look on that Twitter page, we are makers of AAA games. And, of course, he's using the royal we. It's only one person. <laughs> and And this guy has no experience actually, you know, making these kinds of games. And it's just him. And what I love is um, he, he's based in Utah, right? And in, in, his, in his profile, if you scroll down, I'm going to find it. There's one hilarious, a few hilarious parts. But if you scroll down to About Us, where you can see his name and right above, above his name in his picture, it says About Us. Oh, Steel, no, that third paragraph. Steel Clover Studios is a relatively new entity founded in 2015. We are currently based out of Salt Lake City, Utah. We share the, the Wasatch Front with such giants as Chair Entertainment Group and Electronic Arts. But we're here now, and we're happy to bring you our inaugural title. So usually, like, they'll say, like, oh, you know, our staff worked with EA. They worked with Blizzard. We have alumni from here. He says, we happen to be in the same city that Electronic Arts is in. You know, that's his pitch. We happen to live in the same city that EA is in. Somehow that, that gives us credence for our project just because we happen to be in the same city, which is absurd. Oh, my God. The this guy is fun. And, and, and what's... Read the, the man's biography is amazing too. He's like, I got this idea 27 years ago in 1989. I was at the coffee shop, right? <laughs> of course. It, 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 this is real. 27 years ago, he's like, oh, I thought it'd be great to make this RPG with cyberpunk stuff, right? And he's like, I wanted to become a graphic designer for several years, and eventually fell into becoming a 3D environmental artist. After being a part of projects like Star Wars Galaxy Fallout 3, I knew that video games was what I wanted to do. So he went back to school. Oh, by the way, he went back to school, right? If you look at his, if, I, I looked up his LinkedIn. The man went to ITT Tech, right? <laughs> quality, <laughs> quality internet diploma mill, which is, uh, which actually they were shut down from the, by the Department of Education for all this nonsense. Oh wow! So, <laughs> there's his school no longer exists. I didn't know they got shut down. That's awesome. Look at and that. And he says finding work in Salt Lake City in the gaming industry was difficult, so I took a break for a few years to pay the bills and just live life. And then basically he stopped working in the game industry because he couldn't find work there. And he worked somewhere else, and he works as I guess an independent graphic designer of some sort. But it, there's just so much wrong with this Kickstarter. I mean, one, it's a remarkably ambitious game. We've seen a lot of ambitious games on Kickstarter. He only wants 200 grand, and he says in 2019 he's going to deliver. Uh, obviously, very difficult to make a game on $200,000. And he always says AAA. If you if you scroll through this Kickstarter, it literally says AAA everywhere. Oh, scroll to the bottom. Scroll to the FAQ. You're but, but, oh, oh, that's my favorite. That's my favorite. <laughs> this, this, is the, this is my favorite. Is this a His FAQ. The top thing is, is this a scam? <laughs> And he nope. says, nope, not, not a scam. scam. <laughs> if you like the concept, hey, just give me a call. We'll talk about how it's not a scam together. He even says, look, message me and we'll talk about how it's not a scam together. I feel like there's an unwritten rule of the internet. If you have to say you're not a scammer, you're a scammer. <laughs> I really think he's just dumb. Again, I'm going to give this guy the dumb, the dumb pass. Aaron, he has no idea what he's doing. He just has... He actually, he probably legitimately believes if he writes not a scam, he'll convince people. Oh my god. Look, honestly, I kind of feel bad for this guy more than mad at him. Yeah. You know, and, and, and to be fair, right? His graphic design work is not bad. Like the layout. Yeah, of, this, of course. The layout of this Kickstarter is not bad. Like, it, like the art, like the little text, you know, the, the images. It, it, it's pretty well laid out. I got to say, I think he should just work as a graphic artist and be happy. Look at the second FAQ. Yeah. He, he, he drops a quote from John F. Kennedy. He's like, do you know how expensive it is, how difficult it is? He says, of course I do. Not even the slightest. Uh, John F. Kennedy once said, we choose to go to the moon, not because it is easy, but because it is hard. I demand to drop in JFK quotes. He went to ITT Tech. He wants to make a AAA game. His Twitter profile says, we are, we are makers of AAA games. And 
I was curious about this guy, right? I googled his name to see if he worked anywhere. I couldn't find. If you Google his name, I'm gonna drop a Google search for his name. Whoa! Uh, the whoa, the whoa, first don't, thing don't, I don't find. Don't do that! Don't do that! No, searching somebody's that, that's common. You, we'll, gonna, we won't put it out there, though. This, this... You just search his name; it's on Google. <laughs> All right, fair enough. The first thing that comes up, which is remarkable, is uh, Utah court records for for. Uh, there was a criminal case for driving on a sus with, with a suspended license. Why? <laughs> wow, up. you're really skewing this guy. <laughs> no, 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 listen. listen it's a, it, you're, allowed to, you're allowed to use it's, it's public records. It's on, it's on Google. I didn't do anything beyond a Google search, and it's the first thing that came up. Well, to be honest, I expect Mark Curran drives with a suspended license, too, so... <laughs> it's okay. I, mean, I'm not gonna, I wouldn't hold that against him. I mean, I drive with no license, so... Yeah, there you go. There I'll you go. The law too. <laughs> if, I, if I got pulled over for a speed, I'm At least I'm, this I'm guy can parallel park. He at least got a license. <laughs> It's just, it's just uh, remarkable that in this day and age we see so many people go on Kickstarter and trying to make these remarkably ambitious games. You go, you go to his website too; it's on the Kickstarter page. Yeah, he he needs money for his website too because the website is disgusting, obviously. Is it? I, I actually, I expected, I expected a good website from him because he's a graphic designer. No, some of the art stuff is good. Some of the art stuff is fine. It just, it just looks like you're a, right. You're right. I'm actually unimpressed by this website. Yeah, I think he should focus on making this a better website. You know this I mean, image he, in the background. I've had this as my desktop wallpaper. Wow, it's a right. nice and, one. And the point of this is not really to uh, to, to shit on Mister um, whatever his name is. I forgot. What was the name. point then? It's just remarkable to see so many Kickstarters keep doing this. Like, look, you can't make a triple A remarkable MMORPG when you have no experience making games. All right, the guy is a graphic designer. He may have designed some board games in his time, but based on here, based on this this Kickstarter, he shows zero credibility. In getting any of this stuff done. Do you? Uh, here's a question, though. Do you think he's serious? I don't, because some of the wording choices. Like, look, look at the top here: a cyberpunk-themed MMORPG with a mm -hmm. massive open-world mega city, countless storylines, legendary encounters. What could be better? <laughs> no, but look how much people talk like that, though. Did he I put a lot of time to this? I think so. Yeah, Mormons. <laughs> look, look how much stuff he put on here. Look at these factions. He got all the Kyoto Technologies, the police. Yeah. I think. I think. I think. Honestly, making a Kickstarter page was like a project of his, maybe. Come on, I, no, I think he was pretty serious. He's going to use this as a blueprint to offer his services, his graphic design services, to other people who want to make Kickstarters. It is a nice page. I have to agree with Eric on there. It's think about it. Nice he can just layout. say, listen, listen, listen. You need some help designing. You know how people make the Switch layouts for people for money? Mm -hmm. He's mm -hmm. going to go to people, with, like I guess in Salt Lake City, Electronic Arts across the street. Hey, listen, you guys want to make stuff on Kickstarter? This is my template. You know, like I, I can do all this cool shit for you with the rewards, with the, with the art, with the theme. I think I think that's that's the, that's the avenue he's gonna go with this. All right, and the last thing I want to talk about is why Kickstarter. What's the plan? And the plan I think it was in his um in his plan area, and rather in his in his risks and challenges area. And he said, video games, whether they are platformers or um no, our advantage is that we, our advantage that we have is that we have we is that there are already hundreds of games from many genres that have paved the road for what gamers want, what they don't want, and what they will tolerate. And we have definitely paid attention. How is that an advantage? He's basically saying, we've seen games flop, we've seen games succeed, and that's our advantage. I'm telling you, this is a template. I don't get the logic. There's no logic. There's no it. logic. It's like Lord Mipsum. If this isn't a template, right? So for the better, just for the sake of the thought. If this isn't a template, then I'm convinced with all these Kickstarters that people <laughs> really think making games is simple. I, wish, I really wish we had Matt here just to point out how hard it is. Because if this is real, and this is legit, and he really thinks he can make this... Is there like this cultural thing we have where people just think making a games is like you just drag a couple of elements in, in uh, Unreal Engine and you're done, you're good to go? <laughs> it's like making games is no joke. I mean, the, the, 
I don't, I don't get it. Like, it's just like graphic design. I uh, think, I think, yeah. I, I don't think he knows what he's getting into. And I think he's just kind of, yeah, like I said, a lot of these, you know, Kickstarter people like um, Richard Garrett, you know, he should know better, right? He He's, you know, he's an intelligent guy. He has industry mm-hmm. experience. I think he's just trying to milk people for money, right? With Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. This guy is just, just an idiot. And I feel bad for him. If he's serious. Which I don't know if he is. I think I think Gumby's uh he just doesn't know any better. I think Never attribute uh, to malice that which can be adequately explained by stupidity. Sometimes there is malice. Uh, I, I think I've put, like the last one. Like the like the like the, the other Kickstarter one? I complained about. Yes. Yeah, that I, one is a scam. One, I don't think there's anything malicious. It just I don't think it's gonna happen. It just I thought it was pretty silly that my favorite part though is again that FAQ where he says is this a scam. He's no, like, no, of course, no, no, of course not. Yeah, just, just call me up, bro. Give him a call. We'll give him a call. I'll tell you. Give him a call. We'll, we'll talk about how much is not a. St- we can talk about how much this is not a scam. Like the varying degrees of how much is not a scam. <laughs> but uh, uh, I'm a fan of these uh, funny kickstarters, and uh, this this gave me a quite a quite a giggle as I as I as I read through this. You want to see when you look at Kickstarters, always look for some some type of jargon, like what engine they're gonna use, uh, their experience, what they too. And their experience. Done yeah, you know, even if you know, you just want to see, you want to see some technical details going on, so you know that they they understand more than just the lore of the universe. What's uh, what are the rewards, guys? Let's look at the tiers here. Oh, that's a good point. Ten thousand dollars. What does that get me? I can be the CEO. No way. <laughs> that's that. No, it's just the title. I know. It's <laughs> actually pretty funny. I will travel to your hometown where we'll. Give you a very comforting hug and then take you to See, dinner. He's Which kidding. Time no, he's <laughs> obviously kidding about this whole Kickstarter. He wants to give you a hug. Yeah, if you give me ten thousand dollars, I'll fly to you and give you a hug too. All right, dude, he's kidding. He's I'm gonna fine. use the ten thousand dollars to fly to you. This is the just only, a He only gives you a hug on the ten thousand. He won't. He won't. He won't. You know, give you any hugs if you pay him less. I like the five thousand dollars here. We'll take you out to dinner. You come to us. <laughs> if, you pay, if you've never been to Salt Lake City, it's a beautiful place, and we have some killer places to eat. But if you look at the second one, uh, if you pay two thousand five hundred more, they'll come to you, all right? No, no, that's that, that's only the ten thousand dollars. Never mind. The ten thousand, he'll come to you and give you a hug. But if you're missing a hug in your life from uh, from a, from an ambitious man, you give this guy ten thousand dollars and he'll fly to you and give you a hug. Dude, I think he's kidding, man. This whole yeah, thing is just uh, him. this is just like a graphic design slash web project for him. Like this, this I think too. it's far where if you're right, then I I'm I'm insulted because then it's a total abuse of the Kickstarter system. Uh, sure. I hope I hope you, I hope you're wrong because uh, yeah I mean because then if someone actually donates money to this then they just donate to somebody's uh, their LinkedIn link at the bottom um, it's 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 disgusting and insulting to the crowdfunding process sure but he won't get a penny unless it hits two hundred right grand yeah so oh okay that's right I forgot about this, that. this is not Indiegogo yeah okay you're right all right so one one last thing on this guy we we should move on if you look sure. at his uh, goals he says the, what the money will be used for all right. And one of the things the money will be, the, the initial funding acquired from Kickstarter will go towards the creation of in-game assets to continue crowdfunding. So if you pay oh, no. money, he's going to use that money to get more money from you. Well, that sounds like Chronicles of Valyria. <laughs> oh, that's that's another can of worms. <laughs> <laughs> bring, bring on the comments, people. All right. Let's get away from this. But That's another controversy. I, I like this one. All right. You take it, Gumby. So uh, the other day, if you're a Counter-Strike Global Offensive player, I don't even need to say this, but I'll say anyway for those of you who stopped, uh, Valve reintroduced graffiti sprays uh, back into the game, but they are monetized. So instead of, you know, creating porn gifts and then spamming them all over Dust 2, 
like back in the day in Paradise, you will buy a can of spray, uh, or you can get one in one of three ways. One of them, I think, is free. But then each spray can only has 50 charges. So you better not mess up where you place that spray like I used to. You better, you better get it right exactly the first time. After 50, you have to spend money in order to refill the can. Uh, people were not too happy about this, of course. Uh, one of the funniest parts of it is that you could actually put the you could put a spray in a window and shoot from behind the window, and the person outside couldn't see you. So a little <laughs> bit of a tactical advantage there. Uh, the other thing is, um, and I'll just bring this point up so you guys can feed off it. Uh, graffiti was, you know, graffiti was an int- like it was a core part of Counter Strike. Uh, 1.6 source people, you would get a kill, then you would spray them up after you killed them. It was just a fun little add-on. And while I don't have a problem in the abstract with monetizing sprays, it it just feels insulting to the Counter-Strike legacy in, in some type of personal way uh, to monetize sprays. But you guys can take it away. All right. All right. They, they fucked up. They fucked up hard. It's a huge insult to players because they've had sprays at 1.6 in Source and other... They had in Team Fortress 2 for crying out loud. Oh, yeah. None of that matters. Half-Life. Half-Life as none well. None of that matters. None of that matters. They would have got away with it. If it wasn't for Overwatch. On Overwatch, what? you can unlock the sprays for free, right? Different mm-hmm. kind of sprays for each character. So now people are used to unlocking permanent sprays and customizing them. If, if, if Overwatch didn't come out, I think they would have got away with this. No, I don't think so. Because other no, games it's a legacy it of Counter-Strike. It's a legacy of Counter-Strike they have custom. How, like, uh, if you think back to Counter-Strike, we all remember moments where you see porn sprays, right? You're playing on a custom oh, yes. server. How do they do that? You see a GIF, you see some hentai on the wall, and like you get distracted, you look at it, and you get popped from behind, easy headshot. That's never like, coming back, though. I think everyone knows. No, that's okay, though. But even, even just free sprays would be fine. I'm yeah. okay with having custom sprays, I guess. Uh, it does take away the charm, but uh, j- just the fact that it's like, Again, though, but like, okay, if you argue this from the abstract, if this was, if this was a brand new game, right? This wasn't Counter Strike. I don't think I'd be upset. It's the fact that it's Counter Strike. Yes. Uh, it's a game where sprays were such a fundamental part of the gameplay. It was like just like this little stupid thing. You, it, it was fun to do, and they took that, and it feels like, it just feels like you know something you loved selling out. It feels that's cheap, a, exactly. It's it not, feels, it's not yeah. even about the. Mo- They're not gonna make a lot of money from this. It just feels like cheap. CSGO is already one of the, like, the most successful uh, games ever on the PC. It's going to register it's not the top 10 most revenue-generating games on MMOs.com. You know, we, we had a list for it. They make so much money, and they have so many issues with hackers and, you know, and, and ranks still. They did a good job c- countering a little bit. There's still issues. But, and they released this. Like, it's, it's, it's a slap in the face of players who... Do you, uh, did you read about the conspiracy behind this? Oh, yeah, I read about that. I, I did not. That. What, is, what is the conspiracy? Enlighten me. The conspiracy, Aaron, tell me if this is the same one you heard. The conspiracy is that Valve did this on purpose, right? That way then they, they want people to protest and be upset. That way then they can change the model so that it's a one-time purchase and people will commend them for being a, a company for the players but still keep a microtransaction. Yeah, like basically that, what they wanted from the beginning was permanent sprays that cost money. And, but they didn't want that to be the bad. They didn't want to get backlash for that, so they made this to get the backlash, so they can offer. Uh, that's actually really. Isn't there a name, a label for anchoring. that? You... I think it's called anchoring expectations. Anchoring. Yeah. I think that's it. That's actually really clever of them if that's their thought process, because I think there'll be much less backlash. Even from the get-go, I think there'll be much less backlash. It's all, but on a, basically being a, being charged per spray use sounds insulting. It's such a dumb idea. Well, you get fifty for one yeah, charge. I know. And then once you're out, you gotta pay again. But, 
let's say it's ten dollars for fifty, then you can very easily calculate that you know it's five cents per ten cents per spray. Can't do math. Five bucks, you know, for five bucks for fifty, be ten cents per. So you know, it's just weird to think that every time you click, you know, your spray button, you're paying money for that. I think I, I don't think people would have been as upset from the get go if they just launched it with the uh, one time you just unlock all of that spray. But the right. real charm for me was the custom sprays. It's always sad to see that go, but as Altai yeah. said, that's not coming back. Being able to do the porn sprays, the weird <laughs> sprays. Like, that was such a fun part of internet gaming. You know, I, it was I, hilarious. I'm being nostalgic now, but it goes on with the, the pussification of games where you, <laughs> developers can't even trust their players to have custom sprays anymore. You know, I don't get I mean, why, they really couldn't. Why yeah. did they have to do it so poorly? Like, what, you know what they could have done instead? They already yeah. have loot boxes, right? Yeah. So when you open a loot box, why not make a chance of getting the item you were going to get? No, anyway? no, you, you can. They, they, there, so there's three ways to get sprays, right? It's not just a purchase. So I should have, I should have clarified that for someone who calls us out. There's, you get as a free weekly drop. You can buy graffiti boxes, or you can buy them on the marketplace. So there is a free avenue uh, for getting sprays. I think they should have just made it free, like a bonus. Then, then you don't care for using. Well, then no one would care. Exactly, but that, you, know, you could just use it for fun, and you don't you don't you don't feel like you're spending ten cents every time you click the button. You know, like mm -hmm. it's just for fun. Like you get it either for free once in a while, or you get it as a bonus item when you open a loot box that already you open anyway. It's such an unbelievably bad idea that I am hundred percent you two are correct with conspiracy theory. Usually, I don't believe these gaming conspiracy theories, but I think hundred percent you're right because. Imagine you spray somebody after you kill them, right? And he's going to go in voice chat and say, Hey, asshole, you just spent 10 cents on that spray. I win. <laughs> he's going to make fun of you for spending 10, 10 cents on that spray. Like, it's just so stupid that it cannot be anything but you know their, their way of anchoring the expectation of going back to the permanent sprays. It's got to be that. I'm willing to bet anything. There's no way this stands as is. There's no way. Now has got to make their money from the, the losses in gambling. It's a shame you got, you got to gamble sprays. It's a shame that you know Valve is private. We can't see some of their numbers. But I, honestly, mm -hmm. I'm at the point now where I believe uh, the Steam marketplace in general was a bad idea. I think the way really yes, I think the way Overwatch does it, um, where everyone kind of unlocks their own skins for their own character. You can't trade, right, in Overwatch? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That that's the way to go. I think uh, going forward. I think yeah, I think they that, make so much money with the. But do they make so though. much money? CS:GO is one of the highest generated games of all time. We no, no. update on our you list. You can still have loot boxes, like Overwatch okay. has loot boxes, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. All, I'm I'm just against the market. I, I'm not, when I say I'm against, I'm I'm saying, is it worth the logistics and the legal scrutiny? Like, for example, now they're getting in trouble with the the Washington State is going after them for gambling, with using the, you know using the skins as as a currency, basically, right? Mm-hmm. That was because of the gambling and loopholes and all the other issues they had. That was that's different. If they, if they kept it all on the Steam marketplace, it could have been you know different. Actually, what's what's interesting too? Uh, according to the Super Data Research, they generated CS:GO generated two hundred twenty-one million dollars of revenue in twenty fifteen. That's only seventeen million dollars less than Dota, and it's it's it, they're they're closing the lead. You know, two hundred twenty-one million dollars. It's it's such a big game that they don't need to nickel and dime users yeah. like this. That's why I think the, I, I want to believe the conspiracy. Alta, you don't like the fact that you can like trade items in Dota and CS. I feel like that's a really cool element of, of Valve and C and the Counter Strike listen, in Dota. Listen, I like it. I've actually made money off it, right? Okay. But I can see. Well, I'll put it this way: if I was running Valve, right? Mm -hmm. And again, I don't have the numbers, which is why I said it's a shame. It's private, so I don't know exactly if it's worth it. But the logistics involved, the fraud involved, the scam. Because once you can trade items for money, right? You can. Somebody's Steam account, even my Steam account, I, I probably have at least $500 to $1,000 worth of items in Dota, right? Okay. Wow. Okay. My Steam account now, 
it's literally a target for all everyone in Russia and China because that's a lot of money for them, right? I actually did authentication for my uh, Steam account with my phone. So every time I log in, every time I start my computer, I gotta like do some phone bullshit to log in. I did it because I'm I'm actually afraid because I got a thousand dollars sitting on the Steam account. You know, all these people in China are like I play Counter Strike all day in Ukraine or whatever. They're trying to hack my account, and and I don't blame them. I would if I would lived in Ukraine and made you know sold potatoes for a dollar. You know, I, I, what I would do is you know just just talk to little kids on Steam all day. Hey, you know, give me your account. I'll get you you know Masterclass Eagle Two. You know, whatever. Just just give me your account, and then they give me their account. I just take all their shit and sell it on the Steam Marketplace. You know? Yeah, it does open the door to a lot of hacking, and I'm sure that happens very often when people get their accounts stolen. I mean, it's, it is a big business, and there's so a lot. Valve of put you at risk, but people, there's. I get I get friend invites. I stopped I stopped accepting friend invites a while ago, right? And this is one of the reasons. I would accept, and they would just try to scam me, like in the most crude, like broken English manner. But like every day. <laughs> at least they tried. <laughs> That's pretty funny, actually. They do that. You're a target. You got some goodies in your account then. Yeah. But if you couldn't, if you could still buy the loot boxes, but just not trade them, right, or sell them, you know, there'd be no point in it taking your account yeah interesting all right i mean uh, it's gonna be backpedal though i have no doubt i will bet anybody that this is gonna, they're gonna backpedal on the limited use and also do you, do you want to make a prediction do you think the steam marketplace and the steam trading will go away are you I, confident in your uh, belief i would say if it was uh like if valve was purely like a profit driven business like a publicly you know, scrutinized yes yes but if if Gabe just likes the the factor of having a virtual marketplace and he likes like that concept, he might keep it on as a hobby. Fair. Alternatively, it might get shut down by the government for all this game because you know those sites with these wheels and stuff with the you know with this, the the Counter Strike betting. Yeah, that's it's, all gone though now. Oh, it's all gone. Okay, it's good. So yeah. I, I think they're getting hammered by uh, state for uh, for facilitating gambling, so that might that might force them to shut down too. Fair. All right. Let's move to some more less uh, less uh, controversial yet more positive uh, bit of a discussion. I know you guys are all eagerly w- wishing to play Eloa. I-, I doubt that's the case, but <laughs> the game is uh, still alive. Surprisingly, Gabe and Game is like, you know what? We want to we want to publish that Eloa, and all of a sudden they picked it up. Very weird, considering Webzen, uh, the previous publisher, had didn't even say anything. Uh, somebody actually looked this on Facebook. If you go to the their their splash page, that all of a sudden they have a coming soon page on Game and Game. Do you know what surprises me the most about this article? Hmm. Uh, you wrote Game and Game still publishing Zone Four Fight District. Yep. How is that still a thing? Uh, weird. Who knows? But what's remarkable too is um, Game and Game is an interesting interesting place. Very interesting place. It's uh, basically uh, a game portal for basically these failed games. There's no really big successful game on Game and Game. It's like purgatory where like failed games kind of like they don't quite go to hell just yet. They're just kind of like in limbo, and they just sit there. You have games like Metal Reaper, Chronix. You have Redstone wasn't an awful game. I right? Microvolts. I still have you know I kind of like, but these are all basically games that just haven't died yet. It just the Zone Four is coming soon. It's not even ready. They're they're reworking oh, it. They're gonna relaunch it. Okay, okay. But they're basically still publishing it. And what's so weird is that the company that actually sponsors and, and funds Game and Game is called uh, Koka, the Korean Creative Content Agency. A, the Korean government is literally funding shitty Korean games in America. How does that make you guys feel? It makes me feel like I'm getting cultured. Thanks, Korea. Thanks for <laughs> culturing me. 
<laughs> through shitty China games. China does the same thing. They they export their art to the West to make people learn about them. <laughs> they they do like some tax breaks for like Chinese games. Yeah, like, yeah. They literally are hosting these Korean failed games that just refuse to die. What do you think they're thinking? I I, can't, well, I honestly, when I saw this was coming back, I couldn't fathom the reasoning behind it, no. but. I can do more. I can more so understand Eloa than I can some of the other games. Like yeah, sure, but why still, is it, Zone Four? I don't this know. A, why is that game like Chronix? This game is like you play for five minutes and realize how Duke it is. Like why is this? Like at least Eloa is a game. You know, it's actually I think the best game, one of the best games on here. I know some people still love Dark Eden, big nostalgia factor over there, and maybe some nostalgia with Redstone. But every other game on this list, it makes no sense. Eloa is still kind of new and had it was it was a decent game. But right. why is Chronix mind-boggling? I challenge you to play Chronix in like for more than an hour. You just can't. You just can't do it. It's not a fun game. <laughs> All right, here's why, guys. Ready? Please. One of the requirements the South Korean government puts on publishing a game here is you must put a keylogger in the client so Ooh. the Korean government, <laughs> all right, can spy for its diplomatic, you know, I believe missions. It. Okay, do you think do you think U.S. ambassadors and U.S. like high officials are playing uh, shitty Korean games from a uh, game and game? They're playing Chronix. Maybe their kids are. Maybe they're playing Asta Global. Can you imagine like Obama? He gets home, he plays Maple Story, he plays Asta Global, he uh, plays uh, these games. Chronix is actually Obama's favorite game. Yeah, I see freestyle here. So imagine this. Ready? Some some uh, some diplomat's kid plays it, right? On the same computer that his dad logs into uh, his private email account. <laughs> This is how Hillary got hacked. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that makes there sense. There we go. We got it. There Chelsea go. Clinton was playing Zone Four. <laughs> <laughs> it all goes full circle. Oh my God! It That's a third conspiracy circle. tonight for you guys in the audience. We we've we finally cracked the code. Call Alex Jones. Get him, <laughs> Get him on here. <laughs> it's just remarkable, guys. Maybe we should do a Sunday Fun Day for Chronix. You know, I, I I should talk this game. Maybe you, you guys you guys gotta know how shitty this you, game is, you like right? Shitty game. You know, you know, shitty a shitty Sunday Funday is a good, a good theme to go with because I, I can unwind. I can just say you know, all the nonsense that comes to my mind. I could trash on a game, so I, I'm looking forward to that. Our audience doesn't know our last Sunday Funday was pretty shitty. I gotta yeah. say, we all right. That was that was a quality game. Kaboom! Kaboom! Make fun of Kaboom! With the K U K U B O O M. Kaboom! Go play it, please. Top top keck. <laughs> But yeah, uh, for those actually looking forward to Eloa, I did I didn't want to bundle Eloa with the other games we talked about. I do think Eloa has you know will do better than the other games on that list. It's probably one of the better games that Gaming Game is going to publish, and it's good to see it survive because it, it's barely been like a year since it was up. I think it's been way less than a year actually. Unfortunately, there's no word on character transfer, so I think players will have to make a new character once it goes live, which is unfortunate. Very. If I was invested in Eloa. Um, I wouldn't want to start all over again. It actually <laughs> released July 24th, so um, it's been a little over a year. Really? Oh, wow. What, in 20, no, really? 2015, July 24th. Yeah, it was the no global way. release. I think... Um, We're counting the, the other one. In Spirit, Spirit yeah. Online came out first, and then Aloha came yeah, over. Because Open Beta began on November 17th. Uh, I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Uh, WebZen brought Aloha over on October 13th, so July 24th in Spirit, which, you know, it's the same game. Mm-hmm. Yo, this is actually a really good name for a shooter. Line of Sight? It is. I'm not sure why Line of Sight says coming soon over there. I'm pretty sure Line of Sight is available on Steam right now. So maybe maybe the whole coming soon thing could be like some nonsense. Because Line of Sight is available on Steam last I checked. Interesting enough, they do say they're coming soon on their own page too. Worth you know, worth mentioning Line of Sight too because it's... Uh, Ten bucks. 
it's 10 bucks on Steam Early Access. I do believe it's going to be free to play at launch, but it's one of those games. Yeah, go. No, actually, they, they didn't specify their business model. They just said free to play is an option. The game actually looks kind of decent because I remember I was sort of hype about this game back when it was Combat Arms Line of Sight because let's be real, who didn't play Combat Arms back in the day? And despite running to like three hackers per game, it was still a pretty fun game at the time. And this is supposed to be like the next iteration of it. But Nexon is like, you know what? We, we don't want to put our Combat Arms name on your shitty game. And they distanced themselves and now it's just Line of Sight. Fun fact, guys. If you want to quiz your obscure free-to-play uh, knowledge, go to Game & Games alumni section. And every mm-hmm. year, you can see some of the games that came out. Like, who here knew that it was a game called MAF Online? I didn't know that. Where'd you find that? Let me find the Illuminati section. I'm curious now. Kingdom Under Fire, Divine Soul, Tanky On. What is that? Right, Divine oh, Soul was a fail. Was a mega, mega, mega fail. I remember that one. Well, apparently there was a game called I Love Coffee. <laughs> I, I play that. I play that game every morning. Whoa, Metten. Metten 1. Oh, I never played Metten 1. I never saw Metten 1. Well, if it's anything like Metten 2, it's a winner. Oh my god. You did Illuminati all the way back in 2004. So GameAndGame.com has been all around for a long time. Dio Online, Shot Online was from there, Cal Online. I think the way it works too is actually um, they sit on Game & Game until a different publisher decides to publish them. So they always bounce. Some of these games were bouncing between Game & Game and then different publishers and so forth. Well, I am, I am, I am enjoying this list. I don't know about you guys. I am going through this list here. It's it's, nice. it's good. To, it's nice blast from the past because some of these games are really uh, they're dead now. But I remember we see Lunia on this list. Pretty sure the private server is Lunia. Yeah, yeah, it's still a private server. You did recently put up the soundtrack for uh, Lunia for MMOs.com. So if anybody wants to listen to some fun music, MMOs.com/music. Random little uh, tidbit there. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. Time to move on to something else. Let's move on to a bit because I actually want to announce. I probably should have said this earlier, but I do want to announce a feature on MMOs.com that we added recently. Something called our beta calendar. If you go to MMOs.com slash betas, we're going to be updating this calendar basically for every new game launch, every closed beta, open beta, any beta news and game launches, as well as major expansions. Expansion launches will be on the beta calendar as well. So if you ever want to try a new game or keep an eye on what's coming out next, our calendar will hopefully do a decent job, and it'll be updated every day as we get more information. And cool. if you see something that's missing, please just let us know in Discord or in a comment, or Twitter, wherever, and we will add it. But anywhere. we should, we should be on top of it. But you know, mm-hmm. things do slip through the cracks, so just yell at us. Make sure you use two exclamation marks. The only thing is, sometimes we know like a game is going to come out. Like they'll say, like sometime in late October or late <laughs> November, like Revelation. And, and then I don't know where to put it on the chart because I can put like a whole range, but it looks weird. So they do. Yeah, don't do that. If you don't have an exact date, we're not going to include it. That means Revelation, which if, I know there's a lot of hype around it. For some reason, it's the month of their closed beta test. They've handed out keys. They've never announced the date. They're rumored to announce it tomorrow, but they've really taken their time. I don't really understand what they're doing. Interesting. We just actually got a new one for Cloud Pirates. Oh, Cloud Pirates. Oh, whoops. All right, awesome. We're going to include that right now. Wow, look at that. Updated already. Yeah, it's going to be updated in a second. Somebody going to pick up uh, next? Oh, moving right along. Moving right along. Where do we want to move to? I'll take one if you guys want. Take it, please. All right, because I'll add a little later. But one one bit of news that I was a bit excited for this week is that uh, the League of Legends 
World Championship is actually going to have a, is having crowdfunding. You're going to find the link for Altai. But it's the first time, the first year that Riot Games is using a similar crowdfunding thing that Dota 2 has done for a long time. And they've already raised, uh, they've already doubled the original prize pool. Which makes me, I, I've asked this year in and year out, what is wrong with Riot Games? Why haven't they done crowdfunded prize pools? until? And they finally caved now and they did it. And they did it in a very like half-hearted, uninspiring way. And they still raised, they doubled their prize pool. Even they, they, the only way to add to the price pool basically is if you buy, uh, there's two skins, a Championship Z skin and a Championship Ward skin. Basically, 25% of the gross purchase price will be added to the price pool. So if you buy those, you add to the price pool, you support esports, it's cool. But compare that to what Dota did with the Compendium. If you play Dota, the Compendium is like an all-encompassing, cool way to make predictions on the esports scene. It's well worth the money. You get so much value out of it. And because of the Compendium, Dota raised like over $20 million for their price pool. I suspect League is kind of going through learning, you know, baby steps, and they're going to learn how to use crowdfunding. And I expect, maybe not next year, but the, tour, the year after that, we're going to have amazing prize pools for League. I'm talking like over 20 million, over 30 million even. Well, that's pretty big numbers. Okay, so yeah, you said that. So last time, this year, Dota got to 20, right? 20 million. So you think League will beat that? I think League will. Give it two years, I think League will beat it. And, I'll, and the reason being, if you look at the article I sent you, Scroll down to the active user base between mobile titles. Mm -hmm. Look at the gigantic difference in player base between a game like League and Dota. Dota is the next biggest game by far, but then look at League of Legends and its active player base. I mean, I've seen this before, but like you said, like okay, look, League is giving you two skins, right? Yes, they half-hearted it. They half-assed it this year. This is their first year doing it. I think it's their baby steps. Give them two years. In two years, it's going to beat anything Dota does, my guess. Okay. I don't think so, and here's why. For uh, Dota, right? If you got your compendium to a certain level, you got a whole new map skin, right? The, you only you can see like the flowers and everything, and the whole yes. like the trees were different. Like the map, like I can't fathom the the Chinese, you know, rulers and the people at Riot can can even figure out how to make that in their client. Okay, here's the deal. They, they, their client sucks. Okay. Everybody knows that the League of Legends client sucks. However, I did mention that in the article a new client is actually a blog post about it from a few months ago on engineering.riotgames.com. They basically admit that their client was from 2008. They built an Adobe Air, all this nonsense, and they're going to they're gonna revamp the client. Again, this is for just, uh, I think this is, maybe there's a launcher, but the whole client is being remade, and it's going to, I think, I think they're remaking, and this, this was only four months ago, so they were already thinking about the crowdfunded pools, right? There's no doubt in my mind, they, they, they thought about crowdfunding and the client kind of the same time. Well, and they'll okay. connect them. Okay, but is this is this just about the front end, like the, the Adobe Air replacement, or is it actually going to replace the game client? Uh, it could be a bit of both. But remember, I, I feel like if they have a connection through the like the regular client, they can they can see elements from the game as well. And again, replays are kind of working into this as well. They started talking about replays now too. Recently, just a week ago, they talked about replays actually going to happen. They say we're going to do replays for realsies this time, and this is all after they announced their uh, their new client. So I think they think about all this stuff finally. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm skeptical. Uh, Vindators points out that uh, Dota 2 makes a lot of money for their competitive scene and is a lost leader for League of Legends. That is true. It is a lost leader. However, if you already look at what's been happening with League of Legends, they raised uh, over $2 million, about $2 million exactly, for the, for the prize pool, right? And you can do some back-of-the-envelope math. 
and that comes at, because because twenty five percent of the of the gross sales goes to the prize pool. Very easy to calculate how much money Riot made from the sale of these two skins. They've made eight million dollars from selling just a Ward skin and just a Z skin. That's eight million dollars they made. That can cover their losses from from esports for at least a decent you know, chunk of the season, decent chunk of the year. And when you start getting into bigger numbers like twenty million, you know, Valve made twenty million dollars for uh, for the international. They made eighty million dollars in sales for twenty million dollars to be added to the prize pool. So when we start talking twenty million dollars, if League ever hits twenty million dollars crowdfunded esports prize pool, that means they made eighty million dollars in sales, which would more than cover any of their losses in esports. And I think they realize the potential there. Okay, I, I actually am interested in this kind of tech stuff, so I do want to read this um, mm-hmm. this Riot Games post after the podcast, mm-hmm. and I want to see you know whether they're talking about the actual game engine or just like the yeah, yeah. the server stuff, the interface, the lobby, you know, the patcher and the you know whole Adobe part. So, because if it's one and not the other, then it's, I don't think they can do what the compendium offered. It's. They gotta do it, and I think they realize they gotta do it. Because, and I'm not sure, but they're they're talking about replays, they're talking about crowdfunding, all like within the within a few months of the the new client they're working on. Okay, all right, we'll see. So I think I think they're interconnected, but we will see in a year or two if Riot fails. I mean, I don't put it past Riot to completely derp. They've derped on replays for five years, and it's never happened, even though it was supposed to happen. It was in the the public beta for a short while. So you know, incompetence and failure is a uh, it's a bit run amok at Riot sometimes, but I believe it's going to happen only because it's such a big moneymaker potential for them. All right, well, we shall see. Um, and let's move on to uh, another upcoming... We got to take it this big one. Another mm-hmm. upcoming thing. Here we go. Who wants to cover this? Okay, which one are you talking about? Take Star, Citizen. Star Citizen. Oh, uh, okay, Star Citizen. Uh, CitizenCon, which is the... Only convention for a game that hasn't ex- that doesn't exist yet, uh, or isn't released yet, uh, in the world. But CitizenCon recently went on, and Chris Roberts gave a presentation talking about the game, and they did show off some. I don't even want to call it gameplay. They showed off a demonstration of what it would be like to land on a procedurally generated planet, um, which was actually uh, very neat. If you play the video, I believe the video is already time marked at an hour twenty-five. Yep. Uh, it looks very nice, very beautiful, very pretty. You get to see different uh, ecosystems on a single planet. Then they land the ship, and you go off scavenging. Uh, I guess part of it, it's like um, it's basically chasing after what would you call it? like distress signals, finding uh, wrecked ships and whatever. Everything it was very scripted. Uh, it yep. felt like you know like something that would be in the campaign. It all ended with a very cool sequence with a sandworm that's inspired by Dune popping out of the sand. Very cool, very good looking. Uh, it all looks great. It all looks nice. If that, if if Robert Space Industries or Star Citizens is good at anything, it's presentation. They really know how to hype it up. Now, I'm not a Star Citizen backer, so I have to go based on public sentiment. I don't think any of us are. Uh, many people were actually pretty disappointed with CitizenCon uh, due to uh, its repetition of what we've already seen. So we've already seen these types of retrieval missions. We've already seen... You know, we, we understand the procedural generation tech is there, but they, had, they, they delayed... Um, so Star Citizen's actually two games, I guess, in a sense. Mm-hmm. It's this MMO kind of universe, and then there's a single-player campaign called Squadron 42. There's absolutely nothing shown from Squadron 42, which has big names attached to it, like Mark Hamill, who played Luke Skywalker, and Gary Oldman, who was in um, The Sixth Element. Was he in The Sixth Element? I think he was. But uh, So that was delayed. Absolutely nothing to show from there. 
Uh, we didn't get to see any of the other different types of missions besides this kind of like bland retrieval. We didn't get to see much in the way of like creative AI. It was all very superfluous. Um, but I will say it looks pretty. It just, to me, what this says is, yeah, it's nice, but they're still a ways off. I mean, they've got one planet here and a very limited area um, to show off. So it's a bit concerning. Uh, we don't know when the single player game will launch. It's at least delayed till 2017. Um, I, I will say, after watching the video, I was impressed. I mean, I was, I it's an awesome presentation. I mean, all the, all the animations, maybe you guys can agree, in Star Citizen, from what they've shown from day one, all look great. Uh, but the thing is, you know, you need more than just great looks. It does. Uh, you can have a pretty face, but you have to have a mind too. But here's what I don't get: this planet, right? It's procedurally generated. Yeah, it looks so empty. As as it looks so empty. It looks well, beautiful, but empty. Like, yeah. what Like, what am I supposed to do with all this? Like, give me a smaller. Like, that's why that's I like no Terraria. Man's sky, isn't it? Like, Terraria, right? The map was in. You can only go left and right and, and jump and dig. But each area, like the the desert area, whatever the winter area, was all procedurally generated. But it was small enough that I could explore it. And every little part had meaning because it was so you know it was explorable, it's finishable. This is so big. Like, what am I gonna do? I bet ninety nine point nine nine percent of this planet's surface is is just there to just fly over. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it is, and I think that uh, uh, it wasn't the sixth one; was the fifth one I fucked up. But uh, it was <laughs> with Chris Tucker's in that too. Um, it's a good movie. It is a good movie. I, I mean, I think procedural generated planets can work, right? But the thing is. There should be something more interesting. I mean, that we're abstracting away from Star Citizen. Then you know we don't want to go away too far. I'll, from I'll jump in when I get a chance. Um, but yeah, Aaron, I, I do agree with you. You need it has to be more than just a, there has to be something interesting about it, right? Not just these retrieval things. And uh, if you want to make like um, if you want to have emerging gameplay elements, it can't just be this type of scripted sequence. And that's kind of I guess what the that's the the goose egg, right? Everyone wants like. Immersion events to happen, but feel alive, not like some type of scripted thing. But anyway, go ahead. All right, I watched most of the trailer uh, when we start seeing actual gameplay, and it was remarkable for a tech demo and just showing you like the draw distance. You can the guys on the planet, he can just you can look into the space and see a floating space station, and you can see the rings actually spinning from that distance. It's truly marvelous technology. I mean, you got I've bashed Star Citizen a lot. But with what they've accomplished on the technology front and on the engine front, it looks gorgeous, right? Oh yeah. But here's the criticism. Where's the game? This this is what they what they're showing us is not a game. Yeah. It's a tech demo of just some technology. Now I, I said it when we saw a gameplay video earlier, you know, quote unquote gameplay video. They have to actually make the game now. Okay, they made an engine, it's all nice. Now they actually now the hard part begins. They gotta actually make all of this fit together, intertwined, and make it fun. They they built a great engine, great technology, but they're this is not even close to being complete. Especially when if you look back, I think at the anticipated release schedule on Star Citizen that Wikia, you can see Chris Roberts in June 16 of 2014. I think this might have been the most recent number he said. Uh, the backer should be able to fly around in a small version of a persistent universe towards the end of next year. So I think it's supposed to be at the end of this year that there's gonna be some kind of persistent universe should be playable by backers. And they said a small version. So with all this, when is this game actually going to come out? And I don't think they're anywhere close to creating a coherent MMO gameplay yet. They've shown beautiful technology, but how all this interacts with each other to create a fun experience is, I think, going to be a, a huge challenge. Well, man, we should put out, you can play now, but it is confined. 
Uh, if it's anything like, I did not play the 3.0 demo, but I played the 2.0, which was a small space station. You could fly around a bit in space. They had dogfights, all very pretty, all very nice. But as far as I said, they're going for this grandiose uh, universe. So I have a quick um, question. Um, it's going to take time. Do we, play Star, we play Starbound here, right? And do you guys yeah. remember how the planets you visit, some of them have like these little civilizations, like the mushroom people or whatever? Yeah, I always um, love that. Okay. Does this game have anything like that? Like when I fly over these planets, am I going to see like an industrial, pre-industrial, like little civilization? Uh, or is I it think, just, I mean, it's just okay, empty barren mountains forever? If you watch the demo and then you get to the part, they do have like like natives. They look, look just like um, Tatooine and Star Wars, the sand, whatever they're called. Um so there, I guess there is supposed to be hallmarks of civilization on some of these planets. Will there be like functional societies? I mean, that's, it's, that sounds like it's beyond our tech. I don't know. I have seen them land on comets and there's like bases and you'll go into like this functional elevator and it's all one persistent universe and it all looks very pretty. But I don't know if what you're getting at will be in the game. Okay. All right. I mean, here's the thing with No Man's Sky too, right? And don't give me a billion planets, right? Just give me like... A few, much fewer, but make them interesting. Like, well, after I've seen one procedurally generated rock, like, how is seeing a million more going to make it any better? That's <laughs> true. I, I fail to see the point no, of that. The, the, the thing is, once you have, like, the ginormous universe, it gives it a remarkable sense of scale, I think, where you realize just how small one person is. And I, I've, I've mentioned a lot of my first videos, and just personally, games have gotten much less, like, games that actually come out have gotten much less ambitious in terms of scale. You know, the world's always smaller. The zones are smaller. I mean, even like Blade and Soul, a relatively newish game. Uh, the zones weren't very big. Some of them were bigger than others, but you didn't have that large sense of scale where you're gonna. Where if you look at Star Citizen, it is the sense of scale is remarkable. It's just huge. Oh yeah. Even the plus, obviously they have to make it meaningful, right? But I disagree with you on the on the on that. Uh, I think mm -hmm. what 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 games got worse at is not the sense of scale, but the illusion of scale. Like it, the games we grew up, grew up playing and that we were immersed in, whether whether right. it's MapleStory, whether it's Ultima Online, the game were, in MapleStory when we played, there were so few maps. But the thing is, you couldn't just go from one to the other so fast. You had to, you know, you spent time in each one that it felt right. big. And same with Ultima Online, you could run from one end of the world to the other in like what, ten minutes, fifteen minutes. It still felt like one continuous zone. When you play games like uh, Blade and Soul, you're you're zoning in between areas, and it kind of like just feels smaller. And that's why I mean, I'm not necessarily physically this the sense of scale, but this pers this you know okay. seamless world. Okay, the zoning part. Okay, the but... seamless is important, I think. It's Revolution Land said they're gonna do that, so that's good. But my my point is, I think you can have, I think you can use tricks and good game design to create a small space that feels large, rather mm -hmm. than ha just creating a large empty world and saying, look how large it is. Well, but, let's bring it back full circle. You you think that's what Star Citizen should should have done? Again, I have to see more, play more, see what they present. But I don't see yeah, the point. Yeah, we're still very early. I don't see the point of a million procedurally regenerated planets. Doesn't make any sense to me. All right. Look at this, uh, the, the GIF. That. And take a look at the GIF too. Um, of the you can see actually warping from one from the surface of one planet. Yeah, I did see. That. I remember this. Yeah. How cool is that? Like again, this is, they they've shown us some remarkable tech, and I want to say like congrats to making this amazing technology, and it looks like a great engine. But I can't get hype on Star Citizen because. This is this is okay. Now the work actually begins. Now you gotta actually make the game. You know, you have the engine. Make the game now. Make it fun. Make it coherent. Fit all this together, and make it fun. Like that's the hard part. And I, I feel like some people are hyped about this game without understanding that. Like I, I wish this game does well. I wish this comes out as expected because this this could be truly awesome. But it just 
seems impossible. There's a Herculean task ahead of them. And like it's just starting now to make all of this work. That's why I can't get excited about Star Citizen just yet. Well, I could get excited, right? But um, I think this comes as a part of a lot of Kickstarters. Anything that's crowdfunded, the, the gap in knowledge between a consumer and the developer is that games like this, games with this much ambition, no matter what it is, they take a lot of time. And when you're, you're open about your project and people see this, they think, oh, we're almost there. But like you said, this is more like the beginning. Yeah. This is more like the proof of con. Like, I expect to have my hands on something. I don't know. I'm going to give it a, a couple more years at least. You know, it's, it's going to take time. And I'd rather you take them take their time. Um, so uh, take your time. Make the project you want to make. Uh, I'll play it whenever it's ready. But um, All right. I think that's what you're pointing I, at. Here's the problem with this kind of game. It's expectations. Like, I know uh, Matt, for example. He's not here to defend or add to this. But he is. he said he was enjoying No Man's Sky. He says it's relaxing. He just flies from planet to planet. Yeah. Like casual, very chill. And I can I can respect that. Like I'm sure if that's what you got, if that's what you thought going into it, right, you would enjoy it. But the mm-hmm. thing is they hyped it up so much. Like they said you can have all these features, like these you know, first of all, multiplayer, right? Multiplayer. That's a key <laughs> okay. part. Yeah. Yeah. So when you didn't do all that, people got mad. And now it's like literally the worst reviewed game on Steam. Like it's overwhelmingly negative. So that's the thing. In this game, if I'm sure if, if someone plays um Star Citizen, the way Matt's playing No Man's Sky, where, you know, he doesn't mind doing a fetch quest from one empty planet to another and just kind of relaxing, taking in the mountains, taking in the snow, you know, relaxing. But is that what they were promising? You know, I don't know. Yeah, No Man's Sky, uh, the advertising is what screwed them over, I think. But you're, I, Aaron, I think you're nailing it. It's like the expectation versus reality. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, there's there's that huge gap between what's in the in the potential player's head and then what it actually is. But I highly, if anyone in our audience here hasn't seen the video, I highly suggest watching it. Uh, I thought it was really cool, really fun. And maybe look into the price of Star Citizen as it currently is, which is $45. Um, I didn't buy, I'll buy it. Buy it. Buy it when it comes out. I'll yeah, buy it when no, it comes out. I'm not buying it now. You know what's crazy? How trivial the retail price is compared to how much they're charging and getting for the ships. Yeah. That's a whole other conversation. Like, imagine- like what? Okay, at this point, can we ditch the word microtransaction and just use the term macro transaction? When the game is forty transactions. When the game is forty dollars, but the the ship is seven hundred. that came out today, right? Like, at what point is this? Is the game the microtransaction and the and the stuff in the store the the, the actual transaction? Like, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. No, and then you, the ship's going to the thousands too. But yeah. what I thought was really interesting and funny about this this is this all came out at uh, CitizenCon, correct? Yeah. It's all about CitizenCon, yeah. We mentioned this last year too, and I, I still think it's really funny that there's a convention for a game that's not even out yet. But what's remarkable is it's not the first convention for, for Star Citizen. CitizenCon began, began in 2013. We've had CitizenCon 2013, 14, 15, and 16 for a game that never even came out yet. It's still in development. Like, isn't that remarkable? I can there's conventions. Like, I can it's, just imagine the stage. We all ready for some, you know, have some fun. You guys enjoying Star Citizen? Oh wait, I can't say that. <laughs> All right, here's an interesting question. If I, I and this is funny, I want to clear up a definition here. If I, okay, so if they say, get, if Aaron, if, I, if you tell me, if I tell you, donate $700 to me and I'll give you a book. Did you donate money to me or did we have a financial transaction? At what point does a donation we had become a financial a transaction? transaction? Yeah, a donation is something without return. Mm-hmm. So they're not donating to Star Citizen. They're, they're buying a ship in order to help fund it, but they are getting something in return, which is, 
a transaction, not a donation. This reminds me of the political... Which is fine. If you want to burn your money, be my guest. It's like political but, dinners, right? It's like uh, you can go yeah. to some fundraiser for Hillary Clinton, but you're not giving her money. You're just paying $1,000 for a plate of food, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it just... The extra degree of, like, separation does not change the fact this transaction. And it does, you know, somebody did say in the chat that they're not charging for ships. You can get ships for donating to the creating of the game. No, it's... You're, they're selling ships. Call, call a spade a spade. That's what it is, you know? We're not critics. I don't think we're not like yeah. we're really not hating on Star Citizen either. I, I respect. Think. I have mad. Sure we've we've only expressed uh, yeah. you know a level of appreciation here. So for okay. the hate starts again, I, I have probably for a game company, I have the most respect for Star Citizen than anyone else. Nobody else can charge money? thousands of dollars for a virtual yeah. ship in a game that doesn't exist yet. Like no, it's, it is that, that is. Marketing geniuses, all right. These oh, guys are level marketing. It's and they raised over 120 million dollars. This is these guys are the remarkable. These are they're the visionary business geniuses of our time. They're selling virtual ships for games that's still being made, and they're selling them like hotcakes. So when, mad respect for them. So when did the first Kickstarter come out for Star Citizen? How long? How long has this been going on? Three years. Uh, Star Citizen Con was in 2013, the first one, but the game has been probably in development before that too. Second question is: We didn't mention how much money did they raise altogether? We've mentioned this a lot, but over 120 about, million. Over 120, 120 million. Okay. Yeah. Somebody said if the donation you can write off as a tax write off, but that's not true because Star Citizen is not uh, a nonprofit. So if it's, if, right. if they if they are a registered nonprofit and you are donating to them this, then you can write off it for your taxes. But Star Citizen is not a nonprofit, so there it is not a donation in that term. Right, let me see the funding here. Latest funding yes. is at 127 million. There you go. That's remarkable. And again, I can never get over the fact that I saw a Reddit post where they're like, they put their javelin ships are going on sale. They're only $2,000. They're normally 5000 I can't wait to get one. And then as soon as it goes on sale, they sell out in two and a half seconds. And everyone is like, 100 people on Reddit are posting, crap, I wanted to buy that ship. It sold out. I'm so mad. It's like, this, these guys were so eager to spend $2,000 on a virtual ship. And they're upset that they couldn't. Like, please, somebody's got to hire these guys. If this game doesn't go anywhere, I mean, you got to hire the, the, the people that are behind the hype for this game. They got the ball rolling because they know they know how to sell the story, and I'm still hoping the game comes out because it looks amazing. But they got the tech; they got to make the game now. As a non-product company, it's not a non-product. Non-product, it's a non-product That's company. <laughs> All right, the Kickstarter launched back in October of 2012. All right, so four years. All right, I mean it's. I'm looking forward to playing something as soon as I can get. When do you guys think the game will actually come out? The Persistent Universe game, the full, the full shebang. Twenty twenty. The full shebang. Eighteen. 20, something will come out twenty eighteen, but it won't live up. Squadron forty two probably, but I think the single player will come out way before the. They said the single player game. would come out at first. I think the first release date for single player was early twenty sixteen, which didn't happen. So and it so got was, pushed back to twenty seventeen recently. Was the single was player hit. supposed to come out before the main? Yeah. Game? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you would see, you would think so, right? It would be a um, scripted sequence. I want to point out, uh, since all is fair in love and war, um, we've poked fun at other people before, so I'll say at this time, Chris Roberts looks like a weasel. Uh, he really does uh, essentially his 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 body. Like if I were writing a book, I would call him the weasel character. 
I don't know if that says anything about it. I'm just putting it out there because uh, I want to make sure everybody's made fun of equally. I believe in justice. So, Chris Roberts, you're a weasel. <laughs> I, I will say this, though. Just just looking at the this demo or whatever, this video, mm-hmm. is already more pleasant than watching the videos of Shredder the Avatar. Like the graphics, oh, yeah. the graphics in Shredder the Avatar just hurt my eyes. So, um, he's already at least, well done. At least he's got more going on than uh, Shredder the Avatar. Even though Shredder the Avatar is playable. You know, barely so. Is it really, though? <laughs> they have something playable, all right? But this is definitely more pleasing to look at. And, okay, here's one thing I really liked about that video, and it's been the kind of like a, a thing about Star Let's go talk some positives for a change. And I do want to say, just seeing somebody go into a ship, right, in a big ship, going to sit, like almost like Battlefield style. You go into a ship, mm-hmm. you sit on the cockpit, and you drive it, you land on a planet, and you don't just teleport outside the ship. You literally, okay, you, you put the steering wheel down, you get up and you have to walk outside of your ship. Just like that seamless integration between the ship is actually there and you can actually move in and out of the ship. Oh, yeah. You have other people like that, that, you know, that fluidity over there and like that, that seamless behavior is, is just so cool. And I, ne- we've never, I don't think we've ever seen that in an MMO or even what very about, many games uh, in general. The Sandstormers all blew me away. Oh, gorgeous. that was so rad. Uh, seeing that approach as you're, as you're nearing the ship, then it actually hits the ship and tears away. Uh, certain like uh, cardboard pieces. They said they want to have dynamic weather events, so I guess like procedurally generated weather. I mean, if you could pull that off, like give planets weather systems. I mean, that's some next level shit. Or then even imagine if these sandworms that we're seeing are um, are these procedurally... you know, spontaneous? Or There's emergent. no way these are procedurally generated. Like the... that sandworm is not procedural. That sandworm is modeled right yeah. after Dune. Yeah. That's the Dune sandworm. You can look at any picture of Dune. That's they they took it as a as a nod. But I mean, if they could have them have, you know, like dynamic interactions or, or neat NPC moves, I mean, that, that's an insane level of AI I don't think we've ever seen. The, the closest thing I could think of is like Black Desert's NPCs that travel between towns, and that's on like a one-to-one path. So, you know what? Can a lot of mind? ambition. You know what comes to mind when watching this? It's not super related, but um, Spore. Spore was a very over-ambitious <laughs> game. I got okay. that. Okay. Uh, it came out. I played it. I enjoyed it, but it got a lot of hate online for not meeting the expectations. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it was supposed to be like procedurally generated. You can conquer like the your planet, and then you can go to the universe, and you can conquer all the other planets. It boiled down to a very few mechanics you just repeat over and over again, like in terms of like yeah. the city management or whatever. Um. So, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this, but it kind of reminds me of Spore. That's all I'll say. Yeah, a lot the of expectation versus reality. reality. Spore was a big deal, a big freaking deal. And then it did not, you know, again, it fell short that way. But can we say we're all hopeful that this thing exists? I'm not, I mean, look, I, I, I'm, I'm not hopeful because I don't... If they raise another $100 million, another four or five years, yes, then it can happen, all right? But we need another $100 million for this to happen. To go from, to go from this to a giant, playable, coherent world is the challenge give them another, if another four or five years of hard work they could do it but you know the, f- from here to a feature complete game i don't think it's gonna happen i wish it does again it looks gorgeous and looks awesome but my expectations will remain in check yeah i'm definitely not gonna help myself up i'd rather just wait and then try it when it comes out mm-hmm. my guess is we're gonna see um the modular releases long before we see some type of coherence well, they've been doing modular releases for a while now. And they have, but I expect more. All right. 
but I, I think we'll see it eventually. It's just going to take a lot more time than the community at large expects. Okay, I <laughs> yeah, I want to briefly, briefly mention VR. I read an article Please. a while back where with the room scale at VR, right? Mm -hmm. You can design a VR world with a slight like tilt to it, right? So that in like a, I think it, I think they said by a twenty by twenty room meters, so it's still pretty big, right? That's big. Right, but that's that's enough space, right? Sixty by sixty feet, right? That's big enough to emulate endless space. Like you can you can you can, somebody could walk straight in VR forever, and they would think they're going straight, even though they're slightly turning in that room. Wow, really? Yes, that's it, fascinating. Yeah, and if you Google it, you can see someone you know doing it. Um, but basically, they can trick the eye with the way like the the world, the VR world is like you know, uh, what do they call it, arched or whatever. Mm -hmm. So they're walking, they'll, they'll be walking in circles ever so slightly, but they they'll think they're going straight. And the reason I bring this up is I'd rather see game designers, game developers, making less look like more rather than making more and then just leaving it half utilized and half you know uh, accomplished, which is what No Man's Sky and Spore I felt did. No, I think you're definitely. I think you're on the right track for most things. I would love to see a v, imagine a VR world, like a seamless world, where I mean, even just a procedurally generated planet like that with multiple ecosystems, but you're in VR. I'm all for it. And, I, and I'm going back to those old MMORPGs that we grew up playing. Like these games mm -hmm. were not big. The game worlds were not big, but no. they felt immersive because they did the right things with what they had. No, we don't. We don't see that no more. Well, you don't see it in these grandiose projects that attract everyone's attention. No. Everyone wants bigger, 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 and more. That's how they keep making Transformers movies. <laughs> see it in an indie scene, you know, people are narrowing their scope. Right. In some indie, some not, not in all of them. It does seem sad that so many Western, like, MMORPGs are being, like, looking to Kickstarter for funding because we're not seeing that many big, uh, you know, Western big studios commit to MMORPGs anymore. It seems like most of the big Western games are coming from Kickstarter now. I mean, at least they're they're attempting to come from Kickstarter. I mean, that's why that's why we're seeing ambitious projects like Star Citizen, you know, Chronicles of Valeria. These are all ambitious titles, mm -hmm. and their 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 roots are from Kickstarter. And it's sad to see that Western big companies are kind of giving up on MMORPGs right now. I want to. Uh... Build off of Erhan's quick digression here, just to, just to mention, if, if you, any other person was a sucker and bought an Oculus, uh, Oculus recently had their Connect conference in which they hype up the Rift. Uh, they made sure to tie Palmer Lucky in a closet somewhere, leave him home, but uh, they finally introduced the Touch. Uh, I don't know how many months after Vive already successfully did it. The Touch controllers are coming out in December. I feel obligated to pre-order them. Uh, so finally, VR, or at least the two main PC VR systems, will uh, have touch. And I think that it's going to help uh, shift game design, since uh, both platforms will have touch, to be more inclusive of touch. Because Oculus so far, uh, if you don't know, a lot of the games you've been, you know, you had to use a controller or a mouse and keyboard. So I hope, to see, I hope that this is a catalyst uh, or galvanizes more innovation with these touch controllers. Because I'm very excited to try them, I've, I've been told by... Mm -hmm. I'm around here that you really need to try it that way. So, when's it coming out again? That actually, like December fifteenth, I should get it. All right, nice. I think the touch is more important than the room scale. Actually, I, I agree. And I, and I would say without the touch, if I'm using a controller, it's not even VR. Like, it, it, I don't get the point. 
without those, two, without without at least the touch controllers. Because it was still so mind blowing to me. Really, I mean, at with, first, you need, I mean, the, hands. You need the hands. You need the hands. I'm very excited. It's gonna. I think it actually, it's a good thing. It's gonna renew my interest. Mm-hmm. Guys, on that note, there's actually another Kickstarter for the first uh, virtual reality MMORPG, but that's perhaps a, a shitty Kickstarter for another day, though. Wasn't that uh, that game? It's a voxel um, one. No, no, it's, it's a it's a Kickstarter one, and it's uh, it looks really bad and it's super indie, and it's never gonna happen. The one I was talking about, but is it Wizard Online? No, no, no. That was uh, that was that one seemed like it was from a real company. But I'm not. Sure. I'm, I'm excited. I hope. Yeah. Um, I'm. I am. Yeah, I'm somewhat excited. I know it comes with an extra camera, I believe, too. Mm-hmm. And apparently, with Oculus, you could just keep buying cameras. You could just hook up more and more cameras. Or room scale. I don't know how many a computer could actually have at once, but uh, it's interesting now that they are. And also, it's funny uh, if you watch the Connect conference. I watched it briefly. Their big focus wasn't games. It was more. Um, they kept talking about applications and, uh, without such an af- emphasis on hardware, and it wasn't just gaming. And I think the most interesting thing they showed, I think it was Zuckerberg, too. He came out and said they were working on a VR headset prototype, or if they even got past the concept phase, that didn't use cameras at all. They would just put it on your head, and it would create room scale all on its own, uh, which I think would definitely be the future. How many generations we are away from that, I don't know. I'm sure it's a few, but uh, interesting talk. Riveting. Riveting, thank you. Oh, that was convincing. Well, they're, they're yeah, the you, you, price VR again. you bring up VR again. I keep thinking of that, uh, that VR sex suit. <laughs> and maybe this? maybe just show the news article, but you know, not the video, but it's uh it looks like uh, something. If I'm else. gonna show this, I'm gonna show the video. Without the video. Alright, fine, put the video on. Not the video. Let's get Japan is a pioneer. Put the music on, too. Put the music on. You need the music, honestly. What's the music? I didn't listen to it. You need the music. This is the dream. The (laughs) dream! So make sure you close it for them. We want to see those thumbnails. This is the dream. The music's amazing. Guys, this can be us one day. (laughs) The mouth, the faces are amazing. (laughs) <laughs> so I wonder though, why does he need to wear a full suit? Yeah, I don't, I don't get the point of the suit. I'm not sure if there's supposed to be some sort of like tactile feedback going on. Maybe there's like a little <laughs> electric shocks or something. Yeah, this is some quality VR material I can look forward to. I should point out this is on YouTube, so yeah, this not is, our this fault. is the International Business Times. Not all right? our fault. No, International Business Times is not linked, not safe for work content. All right. The future of VR is now. <laughs> and if you look at the, the actual news article too, look how like the guy standing up with the suit on. He's really excited to to get this going. He was the last person in the office to wear the suit. <laughs> this this is I'm excited. I'm excited about this kind of technology in VR. Right? I'm waiting for this. This is the this is going to propel VR to the mainstream. All right, you wait wait and see. I would love to try this out. I'm curious. Somebody's money got spent on this. That's Yo. all I keep thinking about. Somebody had their money spent, whether it's a company or not, but mm-hmm. somebody in a boardroom thought this was brilliant. Right. Well, it is brilliant. I want to, before we, you know, we're kind of running out of time, I want to bring one more thing up, and sure. maybe this can be a discussion point real quick. So, earlier this year, uh, Apple announced a change, some changes to the App Store. And they said by mm-hmm. fall, they're going to allow games on the App Store to have subscriptions. Uh- 
So, bef- so you know, we say free to play. All, all you know, mobile games are free to play. Mm-hmm. That that's largely because they were forced to. Um, you go to buy to play or free to. There was no subscription option for game makers on the App Store, and now there is. And interestingly, it seems like Google. I mean, Apple wants people, uh, game makers, to charge subscriptions because after a year, Apple's cut of subscription revenue goes down to fifteen percent from thirty, whereas the microtransactions stay at thirty. Wait, Erhan, a uh, quick question, though. Is this, does this only apply to games, but does this apply to everything? Everything. But before this, apps could charge subscriptions, but not but games. not games. Yes. Interesting. So now games can charge subscriptions as well. And uh, like, like I said, the revenue cut is going to be half what it is for microtransactions. So are we going to see larger scale, more in-depth, more continuously updated games on mobile that charge subscriptions? Like, will, will this revive the subscription model? I don't think so. I think I think Apple just figures that they would rather have monthly predictable revenues than uh, you know the sporadicness of microtransactions. But what Apple wants, it doesn't really matter. If you look at the most you know highest grossing games in the app stores, the most popular, not even the highest gross, the most popular apps, it's always the free apps. But they have to be. I mean, but there are there are purchase apps for sale too. You can buy two dollar apps, three right. ten dollar apps. But why not? Do you think we're going to get free games to free to play? With optional subscriptions instead of optional optional subscriptions could yeah. happen yes yeah, that's what I'm yes that could happen but I don't think you're ever gonna have a game that's to play you have to pay a subscription really uh, you I, a couple articles. I it will not be a mainstream I I'm willing to bet anything it's never gonna be mainstream it's already dying you know even newer PC games not being subscription based mobile look at the aversion for paying on mobile there is such a barrier for people to spend money on mobile just to, at first to play a game. Rarely, you rarely do you ever see a game make it to the top grossing list that costs money. Well, yeah, right. I don't see subscription taking off on mobile no. either. All right. All right. I think we'll get at least one major, major successful mobile subscription Maybe. game. It's just like PC then, isn't it? I, I mean, I could see the mobile market reflecting a PC where you have a couple of guys who are able to pull off yeah. uh, subscriptions, but for the vast majority, you're running out of free-to-play microtransaction or buy-once model. So I, I would suspect software to continue to dominate that sphere. All right. If you look at this list, actually, for the highest grossing apps on the Android store, mm-hmm. the first time you're going to see a paid game is when you go to, I believe, number 99, which is Mine- Pocket Minecraft. And Minecraft is enormous, right? Enormously popular. And to see, because it costs $7, that's their, that's their monetization model, $7 to buy the game. That's the only game on this list. And if you keep scrolling down beyond that, it's all free. These are the highest grossing games. Now, if you're a game developer, why would you require a subscription to play your game when the data in your face tells you that people are not comfortable spending money up front for a mobile game if you want to make big bucks? Well, remember, you said up front again. I'm saying free to play. Oh, that could be yeah, free and to play it, with subscription could happen. Yes, yes. Okay. That's that that would be, I think, the, the, the popular use of it. I just don't think, you know, like a traditional World of Warcraft style pay to play subscription is going to be a thing. At BlizzCon, Blizzard's going to announce that Vanilla's coming back, but it's on mobile with a subscription. <laughs> well, here, I can imagine this, and this is really popular. Uh, games like uh, Tra- you know, all those old German strategy games, like Travian. Okay. What they do is, you know, uh, Gripolis, all that nonsense. They're free to play, and you can subscribe for bonuses. Yeah, these- you, yes, they'll do that, definitely. You're going to so see I that can, for sure. I can very clearly see, like, imagine, wow, there's, like, Warcraft strategy heroes right for, for mobile it's like you know game of war but with warcraft people mm-hmm. and they charge a subscription because that way it's not as scummy as you know like draining people out of thousands of dollars 
That's true. I feel like they could get away with that. Yeah, then. I don't think Blizzard would make a game where like a granny spends ten thousand dollars with microtransactions. They they get too much heat. Yeah, they, they they wouldn't pull like a Game of War or Mobile Strike style pay to win nonsense. I feel like they have they have a little more you know tact than that. Yeah, so I can see I can definitely see uh, free to play plus subs for mobile. Yes, that that will be a thing. I just wanted to touch on that. Uh, anything else, guys? No, we we can do the revelations drawing uh right in the in the after show too. That's right. We had a giveaway for founders packs for revelations online. Um, the, the, the deluxe founders packs. Deluxe. The, What's the value of those founders packs? Eighty bucks retail value. Eighty dollars. My God. And uh, the giveaway is over. You had to have already submitted an entry to be to qualify for the drawing, which we will hold uh, in the after show. So if you guys like giveaways and nonsense like that do check us out live so you can uh win next time uh but for now that's it for you well, we should real quick just point out if you're on youtube and watching this and you won you were you were notified yes you will be notified regardless yes. if you're watching or you not. don't have to be here to win we're going to be doing the drawing live but whoever wins will get emailed all right that's it take it easy see guys. ya later guys